and welcome again to Podcast in the Woods. As always, I am your host, Boomer, and I'm very excited today because joining me is Sean from the House that Screams Horror Podcast. It is good to have you today, my friend, and uh, you've really been making the rounds the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I really have, man. Thank you. It's great to be here, bouncing around between Baron's Hideout and uh, Podcast of the Damned. It's It's been a blast. Yeah, it's been neat to, you know, be able to check you out. I know uh, that you've been doing The House That Screams for, well, a while now. Uh, and just tell us a little bit about that show and where the listeners can find you. Okay, yeah, uh, we've been doing it a little over two years. Um, it started off as just kind of, I, I would imagine as most podcasts uh, start off as just kind of a fun little hobby. Um, I am an introvert by nature, and so my wife, Candy, who is my co-host, uh, kind of pulled me into it and just been loving it ever since. Um, you can find us on the socials uh, at house underscore screams and house that screams on all podcasting platforms. That's a phenomenal, phenomenal show, guys. Probably the biggest show you guys have, man. Uh, what, what are you up to now? Six or seven ho- <laughs> I mean, and hosts? It, it, you know, it just depends on the night. Everybody's, you know, got their own lives. So some nights it's harder than others to get everybody on, but we've had episodes where we had upwards of nine people oh uh, on the show and it's, you know, and we, we cover horror movies and, and lately we've been doing interviews, uh, it, and it's, it's almost like a round table discussion. You know, it's like we try to insert some sort of of controlled chaos, but that control falls apart pretty quickly. Yeah, I I would imagine I would imagine so. But yeah, it is an amazing show. I I've been listening probably for oh I, I guess about a year uh, a year and a half now, and it is guys, it's it's a phenomenal show. Uh, all those links will be in the description, so please check them out. They do some amazing work covering all kinds of stuff. Uh, they, they have all kinds of specials as well. You do not want to miss that one, I promise you. So all the like, uh, links, like I said, will be down in the description. So give them a like, a follow, check them out, and I promise you, you are going to have a good time with that. But uh, today we are tackling one of my favorite subgenres in horror, and that is revenge. And God, do we have a lineup for you. We're going to be talking about Mandy from 2018 and Revenge from 2017 and both of these movies are are just ridiculous uh just a visual treat and not only that but their, their storytelling is is amazing so why why mandy what, what what made you pick mandy it is just absolute batshit crazy <laughs> yeah and and the second you told me that we were doing revenge films that was the first movie that popped up in my head because it is just balls to the wall crazy ass tripped out ride the whole way yeah it is oh my goodness both both of them are, are are pretty insane so i'm i'm excited to get into it but before we do that let me ask what is your what's your favorite horror movie oh that's easy uh return of the living dead oh nice 1985 i love that one yep absolute favorite horror movie ah it's so much it's so much fun of course Everybody that you know knows anything about me knows Evil Dead Two is my is my favorite. But man, another you can, great one. Yeah, yeah, but you can definitely not go wrong with with Night of the Living Dead. That's what a ride that that movie is. And I actually like the the sequels. In fact, I had no idea that there were 
there were four sequels. Like I, I totally missed four and five, but uh, from what I'm heard, uh, yeah, I could go ahead and skip those, but two and three are, are pretty good as well. Oh, absolutely. I, three is, is amazing. Uh, two is, is just a very silly ride. Um, and yeah, definitely skip four and five. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, uh, I feel like we're going to have quite a bit to talk about. So without further ado, let's do this. Hey, I swallow your soul. I swallow your soul. I swallow your soul. <laughs> swallow this. So, Mandy, 2018, directed by Pasmos Cosmatos and starring Nicolas Cage, Andrea Risenborough, Linus Roach, Owen... Owen Fiore, oh gosh, terrible names. <laughs> Cameos by Richard Brake and Bill Duke. IMDb synopsis, the enchanted lives of a couple in a secluded forest are brutally shattered by a nightmarish hippie cult and their demon biker henchmen propelling a man into a spirally surreal rampage. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's kind of hard to get through that. Yeah, it is. And uh, You know, I've, I've said it before, but there is absolutely nothing about that IMD synopsis that is not just fucking amazing. <laughs> right, right. Uh, it's crazy. This is one of the most complex yet simple movies that, that I've ever seen. Uh, you know, the plot can be described like in one sentence, yet there are layers and subtext and metaphor in this. But man, ultimately, like kind of you were talking about balls to wall, this movie is metal as fuck and and I'm 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 here for it. When yeah. uh, what was your first experience like? Did you see this when it first came out? So I had I had heard uh, murmurs throughout social media about this film when it first came out, and you know, being a parent of three, uh, working full time, trying to do a podcast, you know, and all the other things that goes on go on in my life, it's you'd be surprised how hard it is for us to find time to actually sit down and watch something. Um, if it's not something that we're immediately covering on the podcast, it's really hard for us to find the time. And it, it was a Saturday night and my daughter who was 18 at the time, she comes in and she asks if, you know, if we're using the TV and, you know, no, go ahead and knock yourself out. So she puts this on, she had heard rave reviews and she decided she wanted to watch it. So here I am kind of, you know, in the middle of doing something else, but I keep finding myself drawn to the TV. And, you know, I'm looking at my phone, I'm looking at the TV, I'm back at my phone, back at the TV, because the, the visuals in this film are just absolutely stunning. And the usage of colors and, and everything. And so I finally, I get to a point that I just put my phone down and I start watching. And by the time the movie ends, I'm just like, what the fuck did I just watch? Like, it was like mind blowing. And... So we ended up uh, watching it a second time, uh, Candy and I did, and absolutely fell in love with it and have watched it several times since. It's just, it's just so fucking trippy. Oh, yeah. It's, man, it's amazing. Is this your, uh, your favorite Nick Cage film? Uh, yeah, at, at, at the moment, yeah. Uh, there's, there's a couple I haven't seen. Um, I hear people talk about Pig. I want to see Pig. Um, haven't had the chance yet. But, yeah, so far this one definitely tops. Yeah, I still haven't seen that one either. I need, I really, really need to get to that one. Uh, Vampire's Kiss is, is amazing. It's oh, all, it's, yes. it's this one or Vampire's Kiss, Raising Arizona. I mean, I don't know. 
he's he's got a I, I'm I'm you know I'm a huge huge fan of Con Air. Oh yeah, I love Con Air. Love Con Air. Yeah. Put the bunny back in the box. I love. <laughs> oh, and John um, Malkovich in that too. Cyrus the virus. Yeah. Oh, Steve Buscemi. It's uh, yeah. It's yes. just oh, it's so ridiculous. But yeah, it's oh, so much fun. Uh, oh, and you know, talking about plasma cosmodose or however you say the name. Please forgive me if you're listening, sir. But um, I love his other film. Have you have you been able to check that one out? Beyond the Black Rainbow. I have not, and we we talked about it um, for a little bit on the podcast, and I've I've wanted to, but I just it never. I haven't even had the had the opportunity. That's it, it's amazing. Uh, it's definitely worth a watch. It's a lot less approachable than this one, uh, narratively speaking, but it's it's really good. And the visuals just just like this one. I mean, his his use of color and shots is is just insane. I, the man's a genius. Oh yeah, but, absolutely. But yeah, if you're if you're looking for a, a you know beginning, middle, and end, uh, that that may be one to skip. But it, it it to me, it's it's worth a watch. I I love that film. But I'm I'm one of those kind of people that I really fall in love with visual movies um, and visual storytelling, even if I don't understand it all the time. And you know, we it was funny because well, I know Ian brought it up a, a little while ago, and people always have the discussion about elevated horror. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of wanted to rip in for just a little bit because, you know, this film, it does have its, its detractors. You know, people kind of feel sometimes it's it's a bit long. It meanders a bit at the at the beginning. But I actually, I, I really, really enjoy it. It's, it is. It's almost like two hours long. But it, throughout this entire time, I am I'm not looking at my watch. I really, really enjoy the development of the characters and their introductions and stuff like that. Uh, so it's... A lot of revenge films, you know, people want it to, yeah, okay, start right away. Let's let's get into this. But I, I never have it, an issue wanting to fast forward or anything like that to, to get to the second half of this movie. Um, you know, it's an elevated revenge film. But man, yeah. I, I dig it. Are you are you one of those type of people who uh, you know enjoys the, the you know the visual aspects of of the movie, or you 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 know kind of more simple? You like you know more straightforward things? Or what, what's your thoughts on that? I guess it depends on the on the type of movie. Uh, I never at any point watching this did I ever feel like it was a two hour long movie. Like it it seems to go by so fast, and the the beginning of it, like it, I I think it needed to to take as long as it did to get to the action because it does such a good job of building up the characters, and you get to understand the characters. And I love that you need, I think, you know, films, stories in general, you need great character building. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Uh, I love some of the aspects of these characters. We'll get in that, but we, we start the film off and you get cages red working in the logging industry, which will definitely come in handy later. And I do appreciate this. I, I really do. The, you know, a lot of times you get people wielding chainsaws or guns or what, whatever it is, and they have absolutely no experience. And within like two minutes, they're an expert. So it really, you know, it, it builds that, um, you know, that level of belief to where it's like, okay, you know, by the end of it, you, you can kind of expect. And, you know, you get kind of a history with them that's, that's hinted at. And that's something else that I really, really dig in this movie that, a lot of you don't get a lot of backstory with the characters, but you do get a lot of 
hints of where they come from. Um, it, and that uh, something that, you know, it does, it, it bugs me a lot when somebody does that. Um, and a lot of times it just, it, it takes me out of the story when somebody is, is doing something. And then, like I said, just, you know, all of a sudden they're just fucking phenomenal at it uh, for, for no good reason at all. Yeah. So Red arrives home to find Mandy working on some artwork. And, and again, man, I, I dig the setting, the, the shot composition while, while Red drives up is, is gorgeous. And, and don't get me started on those introduction cards. Do you have any idea what any of this means? Like what any of the, uh, did you actually do like go into the, the subtext or, or the metaphors in this movie to try to find out like, okay, what, what are they talking about? Or what, what does this shot mean? Or what, what is the, you know, why are they using all this red or, or anything like that? I, you know, I saw a little bit of it. I didn't dive too deep. Um, I was actually hoping that you would school me on a little bit of that. Okay. Well, uh, I am notorious for not doing any research, but I did, I did look into a little bit uh, of that. Uh, but the first title card we get is, you know, it just set, kind of sets the setting. It tells us that it's 1983. Um, and did, did it, did this movie feel like 1983 to you? No. And, and the, aside from the title card, like the only thing that stood out was when Reagan was talking on the radio. Right. And, and that was it. But yeah, like after that, like I totally forget that it's 1983. I do too. And, you know, that's honestly, that's not a, a, a bad thing. You know, I mean, it gives us why they're not, you know, running around with modern technology and all that stuff. But honestly, this movie is extremely dreamlike. And I mean, it could be set in any time or any place. Um, so, you know, the fact that it's, it's 1983, it really, yeah, it really doesn't affect much, but I, I do kind of enjoy it. Um, you know, as, as far as like, you know, why they're doing certain things or why they have, you know, why certain things are limited, but yeah, like, like you said, it honestly, it doesn't feel like, um, you know, it's set in really any time period. So, uh, you know, we get a little bit of this conversation between uh, Red and Mandy as, as they're lying in bed and they're talking about, uh, like, just planets. And I love this. I absolutely love this because they come off to me as, like, on an honest real couple where, you know, you'll just be sit or sitting around and you're just talking about, about nonsense. Like, how do you feel about the relationship between Red and Mandy in this? Oh, it's it's absolutely brilliant, and it's it's funny you mention that because you know Candy and I sat down and watched this uh, again last night for the uh, purposes of this this discussion, and it, during that scene, she looked over at me and she kind of looked a little hurt, and she's like, "You've never asked me what my favorite planet is," <laughs> and you know, and we laughed about it, but it you know it does it's you know, I can't tell you how many times we've had like what seemed like meaningless conversations. Uh, asking silly questions like that but you know when you watch it on film it seems so heartwarming you know and it, it just it 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 makes them look like a genuine couple you know he genuinely loves this woman and yeah, I... the way the way that they they hold each other the way he looks at her you know it's just you know he's watching her draw and he's like he goes from looking at the, the the drawing to looking at her as she's drawing and it's you know you can just tell that he is just absolutely in love with this woman yeah absolutely and you kind of feel like so you know they have different last names in the movie and i don't know honestly 
Um, I've seen this movie like 10 times and honestly, I don't, I don't remember if they actually state what their last names are, but you know, in the, like you go on IMDb to look at the character descriptions and stuff and they do have different last names. So apparently they're not, they're not married, but yeah, you can tell that this is a, at least a couple that's been together for, you know, a while and man, like it's, it's, it's crazy. Like the, the different interpretations that, that people have had online uh, about this, about, you know, whether, uh, you know, certain parts of it are, are a dream like this, the, the next sequence that we get is Mandy walking through, well, I mean, you get a little bit before that, but Mandy walking through the forest and she stumbles upon this, this dead deer. And I'd always thought that that was a dream because, you know, the next thing we get Mandy and Red are together and she asks him if, you know, or says that he had been having a nightmare or something. And so I had always thought that that was Red dreaming about, about Mandy, but there are other people that were like, no, that's, uh, that, that, that's actually happened that, you know, whenever they went fishing and, um, you know, she was, she was swimming and you get that her in front of the fire, which is kind of, you know, hints to what's coming, coming later on. Uh, did you, did you th think that that was like a, a dream sequence or did you take that as, okay, this is actually happening or, or what did you think about that one? No, I, I took it as it was actually happening um, because it, you know, it, it, like you said, with the fire thing, it, it foreshadowed, you know, her eventual outcome. And that that whole scene was just so beautifully shot with her coming out of the water. Right. Um, and her eyes are just completely mesmerizing. Um, and then, you know, but but with the the uh, dead uh, deer, you know, it's it, it kind of, it you know, it also foreshadows that conversation she has with him about you know her father and the starlings yeah that's and that's that's what i was going to get into in, into next and you know talking about the world building and, and the character building i mean you know she talks about this this story and she has this this scar on her face and they never get into it mm -hmm. and I, I love red's character as well the way that that he treats mandy you know how gentle that that he is and you know how considerate that he is of of her and you know th that's not just something that you are i mean that's that's built into you and so that you know these characters have such a, ri a rich history but you don't know exactly exactly why but it still endears you uh to them and you know i mean you took that as like like i said literal i took it as uh, as a dream and it's funny talking about the starlings and there are all kinds of of theories on this uh, one of them is you know of course the the straightforward narrative okay all this is is legit it's actually happening uh you know somebody this this terrible group of people that take mandy they kill her there's these henchmen and and red is is out for revenge and then there's there there's other ones where people think that red or mandy is actually a part of red that she's part of his psyche and so, you know, Red is, is battling with mental illness. And when Mandy is, is killed off, it's like a, a good portion of his, uh, you know, of his mind is, is, now, is now dead. And so now he's, he's battling to be, you know, to, to stay a, a decent person. So what, what was your, what, what's your take on the film? Do you look for it? And, because I do, I look, I, I kind of see it as straightforward, although, you know, with, with different, things that that the director has put in here 
that are metaphors for, you know, different things, although he's never come out and said exactly what his thoughts are on it. But what was your take on, on the actual story? Well, I, it have, for me, it has to be literal. Um, when you, when you mentioned that theory about her being a part of his psyche, if that would have been revealed, you know, come the ending, um, I, I would have been really disappointed. It, the film, I think the film works so well with it being a straight up revenge that, you know, if it was done the same way, but, but through the eyes of, you know, this being a mental illness of his, like it, it just wouldn't feel the same. I don't think. I'm, I'm with you. I think then, and I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of a simple person anyway. So even though I do, you know, love films that have, have all these different layers, uh, you know, I've kind of, like I said, I kind of viewed it the same way, but um, I do appreciate the fact though, that this is a movie that you can, and then people are like diving into and, mm -hmm. and mining all this stuff. It's uh, always makes for some amazing discussion, but yeah, just like you, I'm, you know, I view this in the way that is the most enjoyable for me and the most approachable for me is just to view it as, as pretty much, straightforward uh but did it bother you though that we didn't get uh like any backstory to the characters that it's just kind of like a, a lot of this stuff is is either hinted at or that you know um you learn about them but you really don't don't know them no no it, it doesn't bother me at all um real quick to to talk about again the the theory that you post it does that things like that do work you know, take Fight Club, for example, right. another one of my favorite films, you know, and you find out um, that Tyler Durden is a part of the narrator's, you know, psyche. And, you know, it does work and it's very effective. And I love Fight Club and I love the way that they they do that. But, you know, for a film like this, I think I would have been let down. But, you know, going past that. um, Shit, what was the question again? <laughs> oh, just... <laughs> Sorry, I felt like I had, I, I just thought about that. I was like, I got I to gotta get this off my mind. No, I, I was just asking if it, you know, if it, if it bothered you that you didn't get a backstory for, for the oh, characters no. or flashbacks or anything like that. No, absolutely not. I, you know, backstory works uh, to an extent for me. Uh, but this is one of those films where I didn't feel like I needed any backstory. I didn't need to know where these characters came from. Um, all I wanted to know was where they were going. You know, the right. only the only important story for me uh, was knowing how much they cared about each other and how much he loved her, because that's all you need to set up, you know, what's coming. Yeah, so, exactly. Now, you know, and, and like the scar on her eye, you know, the fact that they didn't get into that, I think makes it that much better that much better because it makes their backs it, it makes their history more mysterious right you know yeah. and so it's things like that that cause people to come up with theories and different ideas you know and, and i love that i you get to use your imagination yeah i do too I, I love it that the you know the director trusts you to you know to come up with your own thing and to follow the story it's like the complete opposite of something like oh the tv show slasher have you seen that no, I haven't. Oh God, it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's that 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 show. Uh, I think there's four seasons now. And they're going to come out with a fifth one, but it is about fifty percent backstory, where it's just like flashback after flashback. And oh my God, it's it's 
it's it's terrible. But the only good thing in that show is the kills. I mean, they really know how to do that. Right. Um, it's it's pretty gory, but you know the uh, creators of that show are just holding you by the hand and dragging you along the entire way, and it's it's pretty stupid. So you can skip that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I just I can't stand that because you know I've seen films and and read stories where it's like they 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 feel like they have to jam that backstory right down your throat. And it for me, like not having a lot of backstory just makes characters more mysterious and I can come up with my own conclusions, you know? Yeah, I love it. I love it. And as an a side note, we'll, you know, go off the story for a little bit, but man, the music in this is so is so good. Oh uh, my god, yes. It was done by uh Johan Johansson and sadly, you know, he passed away not too long after after this was done, but uh, you know, just perfectly fit this movie it's just atmospheric it's it's beautiful and i i love it I, that they did not have like you know sample music or you know that they didn't have rights to different things that it's just a, a straight score um in this movie we get that in both movies um and they they each fit in their own own unique way uh, absolutely what, so out of the out of the two uh what what was your favorite out of revenge and mandy what, as far as score? As far as the score goes, yeah. You know, I'd probably have to lean more towards Mandy. Um, okay. The the score in Revenge was absolutely amazing as well. Um, but it, there, I guess my tastes would lean more towards the score from Mandy. I mean, you start out with that, what was that, King Diamond? Mm-hmm. The, the, the opening song. Um, and then, like, just some very, like, like uh, gritty... Uh, like synthesizer and like I don't know it was just the the music just calls to me more in Mandy than it did in in Revenge it's really really good uh, yeah the use of synthesizer I mean it's you know it's it's honestly it's really subtle in this you know the use of guitars um, yeah it's 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 just brilliant I, I love I, I do love the, the score in this although I, I do prefer Revenge uh, a little bit more but Oh man, it's both of them are just phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, it's and it's not. I guess I should say it's not so much how it sounds, but how well it's utilized. It fits, yeah, absolutely. You know, and and in both movies, like the the scores are utilized so well. So our unsavory band of of musical cultists are introduced in this, uh, and Mandy's walking down the road, and it you know just a, another. Man, just amazing shot where, you know, she's walking down the road, just bathed in red. And PSA, if a group of people passes you in a van, make yourself scarce. Uh, yeah, especially out in the middle of fucking nowhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just n- nothing's good. Nothing good is is ever going to happen. Yeah. So, you know, they pass her on the, on the road. And then, of course, Jeremiah becomes obsessed with her. And he's kind of, not kind of a dick. He is a dick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So he's kind of berating uh, Mother Marlene, his one of his his followers, and telling her that okay, you know, you're always displeasing me, and you know, if you don't get on board, you will not ascend, and all this bullshit. I'm, I'm like, you know, if and I, if I had to spend eternity with you, that's fine. You know what? Fuck it. I'm I don't need to ascend. I'll go somewhere else. Right. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Sadly, though, I I've actually known people like this. Have you ever known anybody like 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 Jeremiah? Um, not not to this maybe this extreme, you know, but but no. Right. I I have a I have a uh, relative 
who is, um, oh, what's the word that I can use without offending anybody? Red pilled. Um, okay. <laughs> very, uh, um, I don't know if you're familiar with like QAnon. Um, no, not cons really. Conspiracy theory. Oh, okay. like, yeah, yeah. Like she's, she's ultra fundamentally religious and okay. you know everything that happens in the world is the end of the world and it, you know and just classic you know case of of conspiracy belief and and things like that so i could totally like she's not so much like in the same vein as a jeremiah but i could see her falling behind someone like that right yeah and you know not a, not a whole lot of people know but I actually grew up in a very religious background. Mm -hmm. So um, very, you know, kind of probably in the same vein, you know, very fundamentalist. And, you know, though they weren't, you know, as maniacal, I guess you would say, as as this person, uh, still it was it was kind of along the same the same lines to where, you know, you've got to get on board. You don't question the authorities, uh, that, and that that kind of thing. And but they used, you know, kindness instead of you know, this overbearing and, and, and I mean, it was manipulative, but just in a, in a, in a different way. So yeah. And, and th so this movie actually does affect me quite a bit. It like, you know, it kind of brings back those, those memories of stuff that we've dealt with uh, that kind of abuse and, you know, the, the fear that, that they instill in that kind of, of setting. So yeah, every time we get to the, like one of the, this part or the you know the part later on where, where he's talking about Mandy and you know kind of putting forth what his philosophy is and stuff like that it man it just creeps me out like crazy because I'm like oh my god that is just so it's, it's so familiar to me it really is yeah yeah and I could totally see that I mean it's you know there are people and I've known people who suffer from PTSD because of you know growing up in a cult-like setting like this and so I could imagine how traumatic that would be, you know, to have to, to watch something like this, you know, if you've lived through something similar. Right. And I didn't, you know, it's funny because we, you know, it's been years since we've been in that city, uh, you know, that kind of setting. But, uh, you know, when I, when I first watched this, it just, you know, it brought all that, all that back. So I'm like, yeah, let's, let, let, let's kill these fuckers. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's, you know, and I'm a, I'm a big true crime fan and I, I read a lot about true crime and they did such a good job. You can tell that they did their research because this is so similar to like a Manson family type scenario. Yeah, it really, it, it really is. And it's, you're right. It's very, very well portrayed. And it's, it's, you know, it's, it's insane because, um, the actor, oh gosh, what, anyway, let's say Jeremiah, but I mean, yeah, he's a nutcase and, you yeah. know, it's just full of crap, but man, he really is charismatic in this role. He does a great job, um, in this, even as like, as off-putting as easy as, as he is, you could see kind of why, you know, some of these people who just, you know, just want to belong to something. You know, and we see it all the time, like social media, different things, you know, people who have developed followings on, you know, even something like Twitch or, or what we do, you know, you, you get people that just want to connect to something. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. you know, if if you are out to do harm, uh, it's it, it would be really easy to sway, you know, uh, a group of people to, to follow you and to do some some crazy stuff. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know there are so many psychologically uh, 
manipulative people in the world and they they prey on people like that it's just sad i mean it's yeah. sad like i said it, man, it gets me but um and you know speaking of this this little interaction they have mother marlene is played by Owen uh, Fiore, who took up the mantle as Sally Hardesty in the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes, she uh, did. What did you, did you like that, that movie? I did not. <laughs> I did not. And, and it was funny because I got a lot of shit for not liking it. Really? And I did. I thought yeah. that was the popular opinion. No, no, I got, I got a lot of shit for not liking it. I had posted something, uh, that night that, that Friday night that it came out, I had post some, posted something on Twitter and, you know, I had a couple people not respond to me, but, you know, they, they, they made their own tweets, but I could tell that they were directed towards me. And I was, I was a little hurt about that, but, you know, no, it's, it didn't, it didn't feel, I love the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm -hmm. um, I, I did not think it needed a requel. Uh, I think Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is brilliant yeah. on its own. Um, but it's, it took away the uh, family dynamic. And right. I think that that's what makes Texas Chainsaw Massacre what it is, this crazed cannibalistic family. And you gave me a film that was just about Leatherface, which is fine, but it just didn't feel the same. Um, I just, the whole, and the whole Sally Hardesty thing, like, it was it was too Halloween 2018 for me. Yeah, I it, it was. I mean, you could you could tell that you know they they saw Halloween 2018 and were like, okay, you know, how can we make make some money? Okay, we're, we're going to bring her back and all this. And I understand it. I don't know what it is, and I almost felt like I was I was kind of like nervous when I when I put my little uh, my little two cents in, but I actually enjoyed it. Um, mm -hmm. And it's not a good movie. It it really isn't. It's it's just dumb as hell. But for whatever reason, I just I, I did have a lot of fun with that one. Right. And um, you know what? And I think that's I think that's awesome. And and you know, I had told a couple people that that had given me shit about not liking it. I said I'm glad people liked it. I want Netflix to continue to make horror. You know. And so I'm I'm glad that people liked it. It just wasn't for me. Yeah. You know, and that's okay because, you know, like we're talking about Mandy, this is a movie that you either love it or you hate it. Right. You know, and I know, I know quite a few people who watched this film and they were like, nah, that, <laughs> that didn't do it for me. And that's, that's totally fine. That's totally cool. Yeah. It's, it's fine sometimes to be wrong. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wrong all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Me too. I, I am one for horror hot takes. Uh, so. <laughs> Yeah, I've kind of got some polarizing opinions at times, so I, I I do I get that. So yeah, whatever, you know, if if you don't like Mandy, that's that's fine. But man, I I, I can see how you can because it's so awesome. But um, you know, skipping ahead just a little bit, they they end up calling the Cinnabikers, as a lot of people as a lot of people <laughs> call them. They they kidnap her and they leave for red uh, red for dead, uh, or not for dead, but they uh, you know knock him out and uh and leave him which is a a, a big mistake just so mm -hmm. they can they can have some kind of control on her they drug her and then is this the scary like they get this big wasp beetle thing is that the scariest bug you've ever seen on a, in a yeah movie? this fucking murder hornet i'm like <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> oh my goodness uh, there's no way i don't care if i'm tied up or what like you're not coming at me with that thing 
uh, I have a thing with bugs anyway. So yeah. yeah, when they when they brought that out, like my skin was just crawling. I'm like, oh god, no. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If you're gonna use that on me, don't let me see it. Cause no. Yeah. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna need a lot more than two women to hold me down. <laughs> <laughs> but Mandy is taken before Jeremiah strips and oh. plays some of his shitty music, and uh, you know, oh god, I hate this fucking guy. So. He does that classic fucking thing, you know. Oh, you you, you called out to me because there's no there's there's no saying no to Jeremiah, right? Um, you know, and he and you know not to say that you know people sometimes you know you 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 see somebody there's an infatuation or something like that, but fucking deal with it in a healthy manner. Um, you know what I mean? It, yeah. <laughs> uh, that was just oh my god. That yeah that. That scene just creeped me out so bad. But, you know, I love how it ended because the first time that I watched this, I'm like, oh, my God, what's, you know, what, what, what's going to happen? And fucking Mandy is just a savage. You know, she yeah. just just laughs at him. Um, Absolutely. And, like, and just okay. the well, the thing with the thing with, you know, like I had, had mentioned the Manson family thing. Uh, so similar to Charles Manson, because he, too, was a failed musician. Right. And so when he puts that record on and, you know, and she looks at him and she's like, did you write this about you? You know, because she sees like he, he's he's an egomaniac. Yeah. You know, and so when he strips and she just starts fucking laughing, maniacally laughing <laughs> like that takes every ounce of power away from him. Yep. And he becomes like this little kid. And I'm sure... You know, you they don't do any backstory, but in my mind, I'm thinking this this was him his whole life. You know, that's why he became what he became, because people just laughed at him his whole life. And so when she starts laughing at him, that's taking him back. And then, you know, he starts freaking out. Don't fucking look at me, you know, to his followers and all this shit. And it's just, yeah, she totally took every ounce of power away from him. Yeah, this was this was like a cheery movie. There were several scenes in this uh, the first time that I watched it. I mean, still, you know, and I get I, I just get, you know, super happy. And yeah, when when she did that, when she just broke out into laughter, I'm like, yes. <laughs> oh, that made me that made me so happy. Of course, God damn it, it doesn't it doesn't end well. You know, you get get the scene and Mandy's being killed before Red. And this scene is just it's so powerful. And I love the end of it where. Uh, you know, the the decision of uh, the director where at the end, he everything is just silent and it's just red, you know, screaming. And I, how good of an actor is, is Nick Cage? Oh, my God. One hundred and ten percent. Every every role he ever does. Yeah, he just he goes for it. And on a, it really did. Like, I don't I don't cry a whole lot during movies. But, you know, this one, I'm like, I'm, I'm trying, you know, to, to hold it back. Yeah, but yeah, I'll, well, and you can feel it. You can feel that his whole life getting ripped apart, and you know, looking into this film and, and doing the little bit of research that I did, that when he filmed this, he he was going through a divorce, and it was a sudden divorce, and it you know it wasn't something that he was expecting. So he was channeling all those emotions for this role, and. I mean, you can, it, after I read that and learned that, like you can totally fucking tell. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. And I'm sure they played off that. Uh, you know, you, 
like when he goes to pick her up and you know her her body just blows away in the wind it's uh, yeah it's like he's just lost you know yeah. he, he's lost everything that has any meaning to him in, a, in his life and yeah it's oh it's just so powerful and then you get of course the the you know the nick cage freak out and what everybody is 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 looking for but in this you know at least in this in this context in this instance i mean it's you know it's earned and i i've probably would be doing the doing the same thing um i mean he doesn't he doesn't have you know after she's gone he's lost yeah you know and he doesn't have an outlet so he just fucking loses it I will have to say though that uh, I do want that tiger shirt that he's got. That is so cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> What's your favorite? Like, do you have a favorite shirt that you have? Like, a I don't know, it could be horror or otherwise. Uh, you know that I do right now at the moment. Yes, um, it's a <laughs> Return of the Living Dead shirt. Um, I got it from Fright Rags, and I wear that as often as I possibly can. Yeah, I've got. Uh, I just bought one from. Um, hot topic i went i went shopping the other day and got me a uh, tomie t-shirt ah, it's so good nice yeah i love junji ito uh um, oh yeah uh he's yeah. so so brilliant but yeah the, I, the last time we were at hot topic uh candy bought a misfits uh junji ito nice uh, shirt and it's yeah it's so fucking rad that is that is cool yeah I've, i'm always on the lookout and it, it's terrible ever since like fye closed down um because I used to go, I used to go there all the time, just spend a couple hours, you know, just looking mm-hmm. through like movies and shirts and stuff like that. And they, they closed. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to have to find somewhere else to get my stuff. Yep. That was, that was me back in the day. Uh, Suncoast video. Yeah. Uh, was a, was a big place in the mall and then like Spencer's gifts. Um, right. And God, I could spend hours just walking through those stores, just perusing. I know we're losing them, but I mean, hey, I guess at least we got online stuff. Yeah, now it's now it's like I sit at home and just fucking scroll through (laughs) Amazon. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. There's nothing. There's nothing like going out and finding something. But oh well, the times. It is the times. Yeah. What? It's. I I love this. Like the next thing because it's just totally um, out of nowhere. You get the. The macaroni and cheese commercial. Cheddar and, and Goblin. The Cheddar Goblin. I fucking love it. I do too, but I'm like, what world is this? It is so off the fucking wall. Like, <laughs> total, like, he just watched his wife or girlfriend or whatever she was get burned alive. And he escapes, you know, his, his barbed wire prison. And he walks in. And the first thing he fucking sees is Cheddar Goblin. Yeah, and if and, if any, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was just and and it's you're just like as as a a watcher as a as a participant in all of this, and that comes on, and I mean, you're just like, what the fuck? Yeah, and it's it's completely insane. It, well, I mean, honestly though, it's the best commercial ever. Um, yeah, yeah. So filmed, yeah, it was it was filmed by uh, one of the guys that did Adult Swim. It's it, I did not know that. That's awesome. That's so funny. Uh, you get like this macaroni and cheese commercial where you, this little goblin is just puking macaroni and cheese on all these kids <laughs> who are just so happy about it. Right, which which was funny enough because later on when they showed this on uh, Joe Bob's Last Drive-In, they they parodied that commercial with uh, uh, the Chili Bandit. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, that's a good. Oh my goodness, I gotta go back and watch that. I love Joe Bob. Yeah. So... Oh, this, when when they did this, like, it, and I love like the trivia and all of the the commentary he has. And oh man, it was it was brilliant. Unfortunately, when I went to watch this last night, they did not have this episode in the Joe Bob series. And I was pretty disappointed because I wanted to rewatch the, all of his commentary and stuff. But yeah, yeah, that would have been that would have been pretty neat. Uh, man, I yeah, I grew up on on Joe Bob. In fact, that's that's what got me into Friday the Thirteenth in the first place was uh, his shows on you know Monster Vision TNT. Oh, absolutely. <sighs> yeah. Oh, I, I can't believe they don't have that on anymore. But oh well. Hopefully, we'll get a re-release at some point. Yeah. Yeah, I hope so. So we get back into. Uh, you know, I mean, Red is just going nuts at this point, and he meets his friend Bill Duke uh, from Predator fame, uh, and we get a bit of backstory on the Cinnabikers, and he is ready to go hunting some hippie weirdos and their psycho bikers. I, you know, it's kind of kind of paraphrasing, but basically, I'm like, yeah, let's get these let's get these guys, and then he forges like this ridiculous axe with the intense hatred. Um, Man, this is one of the best, best weapons I've ever seen in a horror movie. How fucking badass is that thing? It that is, thing is fucking metal. Oh God, yeah. I I don't, you know. Again, you going back to the beginning where you talk about like, did, does he have any blacksmith experience? But at this point, I don't give a shit because it's so amazing. Right. I, I mean, it's like that. That you know, you go through phases of grief. And it's like, you know, when you see him in the bathroom and he's like like smashing that vodka and he's screaming and he's crying. And it's like you see it go from like sadness to rage. And so he's taken all of that rage and he's turned it into like like this is like that. It makes me think of that scene in Commando with Arnold Schwarzenegger where he's like, you know. I see the gif all the time where he's fucking strapping up for combat and he's like, you know, putting the knife in the sheath and strapping on the, the shotgun shells and putting the, the clip in the the machine gun, you know, all this shit. And that's what I think of, like, when he's pouring that fucking, you know, molten metal in into that, that mold and he's, you know, uh, sharpening the axe and all that shit. I'm just like, oh, this is it. This shit's about to get fucking crazy. Oh, yeah. Yep. No montage. Yeah, this is... I was, oh my goodness, I was, I was ready for this. And then we, we go right into like the last half of this movie is just like a blood soaked adrenaline fueled, like ridiculous orgy of violence. And oh my, it is, it's beautiful. It's so fucking good. Um, and the, like, so the next thing we, we get, or, you know, the next compilation of scenes where he's going after, after the bikers, um, you know, do you want to you want to walk us through that? Well, um, geez, I don't know. I didn't really. I don't have any notes written down. I don't. <laughs> okay. I, I, I'd get it. I, I'd get it all out of order. I mean, I, so I, I was I was going to do it all all out of order anyway. I mean, the the main sticking point to me is like, so they capture him again, and right. I'm like, man, what are y'all doing? You need to just kill this guy first, then then the movie over. But you know, he breaks out like bashes one with a pipe and. You know, but the like the main feature here is like when he's battling, I don't know the the crazy one with like the dick knife. Yes, yeah. Um, See, that's that's the one I was gonna go to, but I was like, yeah. I don't remember which order that was in? Yeah, that one's that one's fucking insane. <laughs> no, yeah, he just cuts his throat. <laughs> he 
He's in there yeah. watching some seventies porn, yeah. snorting snorting coke off the table with this giant fucking knife penis. You know, and it's just like you walk he walks in and they're just like, What the fuck? It's it's I don't even know what the I, I cannot describe like how crazy that is. And then yeah, then he slits his throat and like the blood's just pouring over his face and he just starts laughing. Yeah. Uh, through through it. I'm like, I mean, of course, you know, brought brought back evil dead vibes, except, you know, a lot a lot more visceral uh than that. I mean it oh god it was it was amazing so yeah he just wastes through these bikers one after another and you know you get all kinds of stuff you get chainsaw battles you get like impalements uh i mean you know through these different cultists and and, and bikers it's oh it's 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 so good uh and i've never seen have you is, is there another movie that you've ever seen that had a chainsaw battle in it or is this is this the only one Oh, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. I've never had seen it. that one. Well, and, and the second one as well with Dennis oh, Hopper. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I've seen some, and that's it was kind of reminiscent to me when, when I first saw that. I was like, oh, this is, I, is this, a, you know, like a callback uh, to one of those films? Uh, but real quick, taking, taking back, one of the, the most important things, I think, in, in those scenes where he's battling the bikers um, is that scene after he slashes that, that biker's throat and and he's laughing maniacally when that the blood's like pouring over his face is right after that he picks up some of that cocaine on that shard of glass and you know tony montana's that shit and then he goes in and he he touches the the uh what i would imagine is that hallucinogenic whatever the the lsd that they're they're feeding him in those mason jars and he puts that on his tongue and he goes like absolutely fucking Ape shit, and you know it makes me think of a quote uh, from Frederick Nietzsche. It's probably his most famous quote uh, from uh, Beyond Good and Evil. He who fights with monsters should be careful, lest he thereby becomes a monster. And if thou gaze long into an abyss, the abyss will also gaze into thee. And it's like I think he rides that fine line between revenge and turning into one of, you know, these evil people. Right. And and I think that that's, that's an important context because, you know, he's he could very easily slip, you know, because you never see him, you know, do any drugs or, or do anything crazy up until this point. And so, you know, when he takes that cocaine and he starts snorting and then he takes that hallucinogen, like, he's doing the same things they're doing. Yeah, you know, but but is that because he's turning into a monster, or is it because he needs to get on their level? You know, you have to become the monster to defeat the monster. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, that's yeah, that's an amazing thought. You know, yeah, he just starts to you know starts to spiral. But you're right, you know, I mean, he never never fully you know embraces. I mean, you know, he goes goes crazy and lets these guys have it, but they kind of you know they they absolutely deserve it, and oh, you know, definitely. and they're dangerous and they need to be, they need to be put down. Um, but you're right. I mean, he still holds on to who he is and, and his humanity. Um, and it's funny because, you know, I, I'm, you know, watching that thing. Yeah. It's, it's uh, again, man, this film is beautiful. The, when, when he takes, takes the drugs and it goes in all the psychedelic shots and, you know, images, and then, uh, his face just melts off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
I'm like, you know what? I wonder if that's how Nick Cage lives like everyday life. If that's how he <laughs> uh, but I don't want to. I don't want to spoil too much. So uh, we'll talk about the ending with you know, well, what our thoughts were on the on the ending without actually you know giving away spoilers. But what what did you think about about the ending of this movie? Oh, I thought it was brilliant. I mean, it it just it ended so so vastly different than how it began and mm-hmm. and we we get on this strange trip this strange ride you know and the film is like you know you have these scene, these animated scenes throughout yeah. the film um which i thought were really awesome to throw in there i mean i'm telling you i'm not afraid to admit i took a lot of lsd in my youth and i have never tripped like i tripped when i watched this and i didn't take any lsd when i watched this yeah you know what I'm saying? Like this movie is a trip and I I could only imagine how fucked up it would be to watch this on some type of hallucinogenic drug. Uh, you know, I, can't, it, I can't even imagine. I mean, it, it, you know, it harkens back for me to like the stylization of like, you know, natural born killers mm-hmm. uh, where they threw in a lot of animated scenes and you had these scenes where the cameras on the character and their face kind of like distorts a little bit. And not enough to where it's like really noticeable, but enough for you to like rewind it and be like, did that really just fucking happen? Um, but yeah, get, getting through this film is an absolute fucking journey. And then you get to that ending and that probably the most famous shot from this scene where he's sitting in the car and he's staring at the camera with that big ass Nicolas Cage cheesy grin. Yeah. You know, and those big eyes, and he's covered in blood, and it's just like, and that that beautiful scene is he's it shows the car and the camera's panning up, and it's not even it's a totally different world. Yeah, you know, it's like like he's driving out of the abyss. Right, I like, you know, that yeah, the the future's uncertain, but you know, um, but it's like you know he's found you know he's found a little bit of peace throughout you know throughout this journey. Uh, and it, it is the, the, this movie is so satisfying yeah. and you're right. Like when the, the credits rolled on, on, on this, it's just like, you know, you just take, have to take a breath, you know, and, and, and sit back. Uh, it's, oh, I'm, I love the ending. Yes. To this movie. It's, it's so good. Just how uncompromising that he has and, you know, that he realizes, uh, you know, the journey that, that, you know, it comes to the realization of the, the end of this journey. It's, it's, it's brilliant. It is yeah. absolutely brilliant. And is, uh, it, is it diving too much into spoiler territory to talk about that interaction between he and Jeremiah? No, no, go ahead. That's... Oh man. That when he like first walks into that room and, you know, Jeremiah is in there and he's, his hands are against the wall and he's like, don't come any closer. You know, and he thinks he has all the fucking power still. And all of a sudden, he's groveling. And he's like, I'll suck your fucking dick, man. And that, like, that is the, you know, you go from this scene where he's naked in front of Mandy to all of a sudden now he's groveling. You know, it's just, oh, it felt so good. Yeah, uh, he just takes away, you know, I mean, just breaks all the illusions down. Yeah, and just, oh, yeah, it's, oh, my goodness, it's so good. Uh, is there anything else like, that we didn't talk about that you uh, that you like to get into? 
you know, there probably is, and I'll think about it about four hours from now. <laughs> yeah. It always happens. Every, every episode we ever do on any movie, it never fails that I, I have this epiphany and I'm like, fuck. I know. <laughs> uh, I know. I do the same thing. I, it's just like, you know, you're, you're sitting there and like, oh man, I wish I would have, I wish I would have touched on that a little bit, but on a scale of one to five, and it doesn't have to be, you know, necessarily the technical aspects of the film, but just your enjoyment of the film on a, on a scale of one to five, what are you giving Mandy? Oh, absolute five. Absolutely. Yeah. I am, I'm right there with you. Uh, this is a five all the way. Uh, it is, if, if it's not a perfect film, because there's so much intention behind, you know, like I said, there's animated scenes, there's all kinds of stuff that's in this movie, but it all feels like that it's necessary. And if it's not a perfect film, it, it's as close to it as, as you can get. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. It is, it is a five for me. It's amazing. Yeah, and guys, yeah. If you haven't seen it, and I know, you know, we talked about there, there's a little bit of disparity there. You know, some people like it, some people don't, but at least give this a shot. It's, it's even if, even if you don't totally enjoy it, it is certainly worth a watch. Definitely. Groovy. So now moving on, we have got Revenge from 2017, directed by Coralie Farge. I believe that's how you say that's French. So please forgive me. Starring Matilda Luke, that's uh, Kevin Johansson's, Vincent Colombe, and Guillaume Bouchetti. Uh, IMDb, never take your mistress on an annual guy's getaway, especially one devoted to hunting, a violent lesson for three wealthy married men. And that is the worst fucking IMDb synopsis that I've ever read. <laughs> that is horrible. Like, it doesn't say anything about the and it's like, yeah, totally misrepresents like anything that happens in this. Oh God, it's that's that's fucking awful. Yeah. Uh, the film opens on a Technicolor desert landscape and then pans back to show its display through the lens of Richard's glasses, and you get a close up on his face and Jennifer sitting in the back of the helicopter. And right here, right from this moment, I was I was sold on this film. This is like that that shot alone is just so beautiful like i could frame that and and put that uh on my on my wall I absolutely mean, yeah you know, the cinematography in this film is fucking epic yeah i've honestly uh you know and i've, I've seen a lot of stuff but by far this is some of the best cinematography that i have yeah that i've ever seen in my entire life it's so it's it's beautiful every yeah. single shot in this um, it's just done so well. And it's crazy because, you know, both actually both of these directors, it was their their second film. And, you know, they're just so confident in, in what they're doing. Um, but, you know, and both of them are simple as far as like the premise is concerned. I mean, you know, this is what, you know, would would fall in a lot, you know, would fall into the, the rape revenge kind of kind of thing. Um, but both of them have, you know, so much to say while being, you know, fairly straightforward um and again is that like something that you that you look for uh, in a a film does that like elevate it um you know in in your perspective when it when it has you know cinematography or you you know or you straight you know story like i give give me a good good story because i and there's a lot of discussion on like style over over substance um and I, I, I hate to admit it, but I'm one of those people. 
uh, who will overlook a lot of flaws in a movie when it if it's got like good cinematography, good good lighting, good coloring, that that kind of that kind of thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's there are flaws, you know, that I tend to overlook if the movie can hold my attention. And once you get to a point to where a film can't hold my attention, yeah, I'm probably just going to write it off. But, you know, something with great cinematography will always keep my attention. And this film looks beautiful. Uh, the As far as, you know, rape revenge stories, um, I, plot is important to me. But I think more importantly, and this maybe goes back to my roots as an avid reader, uh, story is important but character development I think is supreme and you know you in the writing community there's always this conversation of you know plot versus character and you can if you have a great plot and you have shitty characters I'm not gonna read your work yeah but if you give me the vice versa you give me great characters and put them in kind of a subpar plot I'm gonna enjoy that a lot more you know because I need characters you know, maybe that I can relate to or characters that that have some sort of, of flaws or weaknesses that I can relate to. And so I think that those things are important. So, yeah, rape revenge films like they're pretty basic as far as stories concerned, but so vastly different, you know, and I think the the mother of all rape revenge films, I spit on your grave, is it, it, the, the plot is or the story is so. I, and not to offend anybody, I mean, it's simple. Right. You know, it, it is a simple plot. But, you know, so is the plot for Audition. But we get two vastly different, you know, stories, two two vastly different journeys. Interpretations, yeah, absolutely. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's, oh, uh, and I, again, I, I love the thought that, that went into um, this movie. Like I said, we get a, a female director, and in a couple, I've read a couple of interviews that that she's that she uh, that she did going along with this movie, and she said it. You know, she was giving her critique of the male gaze, and we we see that where in the very beginning we get a very you know, uh, it's not not graphic sex scene, but it's very you know it's very implicit uh, <laughs> what's going on, um, and the camera kind of lingers over you know Jennifer, this our our main character uh, during this, but it's it's crazy like we get. You know, she's runs around and, uh, you know, in a, a little, a little clothing. That, but the only nudity that we get in this movie is lots of male nudity. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And I, man, I really, I really dug, you know, her again, her interpretation of this and the way that the characters interact. So Stan goes on later on to blame what happens. The, you know, the rape, he blames it on Jennifer and it, we see that and something that still needs to be addressed like to this day. Well, you know, um, what, what was some of the stuff he was saying? Like, Oh, you, you know, you, you seem to be into me last night or, you know, you were, you were dancing with me and, and, you know, how, how can you not like me today? You know, guys, sometimes people just want to have a good time. And just because somebody is nice to you or talks to you does not mean that they're fucking interested in you. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, Oh, and, sorry. And, well, the going back a little bit before before the whole stand thing is, you know, like they get into the into Richard's house, and you know they 
allude to, you know, having sex. I, she goes down on him. And then they, you know, the, the next morning or later that day, I wasn't quite clear on that. Uh, it shows him talking to his wife on the phone. Mm-hmm. And he comes back into bed and he, you know, he tells her, you know, it's so much more difficult because of the kids and this, that, and the other. And then he starts talking about her, her peachy ass. And he, he says something to her uh, about her ass reminding him of an alien coming from another planet. And I got to tell you, if I ever said some shit like that to my wife, she'd probably slap the fuck out of me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, right, right off the bat, yeah, you get, you, you get the, you know, the idea that, yeah, Richard's not a very good, not a very good person, um, and you're right, yes, some of the stuff that they, that they say in this, like, what, what, what <laughs> the fuck are you talking about? Um, but yeah, like, like I said, that you know, the friends arrive, uh, they, I think they come a day early, mm -hmm. um, and so it's like, you know, the next day, and, um, they party, and there, are, you know, there are movies that are fun. Uh, just popcorn flicks, but it's something something like this that that has a message, and it's it's done so well that just rockets it to like the very top of 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 my list. Um, and there's there's like I said, no no getting around what type of movie this is. It is it's squarely in that subgenre. But what I appreciated was it you know that it didn't linger on you know the rape aspect. So you know it's not graphically shown. You know, we mentioned I Spent on Your Grave, and I've seen that movie twice, and I am in no hurry to watch that again. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's just devastating. So, you know, what I, what I do like about this one is, you know, how they, how they handle, you know, how they handle that. Like, okay, you know what's, you know, obviously it's, it's, it's going down, you know what's happening, but it's, it's not something that's, that's just in your, in your face. So, uh, yeah, I, I gotta say like going into this, cause yes, I've, I've watched, I spit on your grave and it, it does get uncomfortable. Um, and, and that's the point to make it uncomfortable. And before I watched this and, and I will admit I had not seen this until this morning, I watched it first thing this morning when I woke up to be prepared for this. And I'm so glad that you chose this. Uh, not that I would have never watched it because I, I'd obviously heard about it. Uh, Erica on our podcast uh, raves about this film. And so it was definitely on my list. But, you know, again, getting around, having the time to watch these films if we're not covering them is, is kind of difficult. But, you know, before I watched this uh, last night, I was kind of pouring through a couple of reviews on IMDb just to kind of get an idea of what I was getting into. And a lot of the reviews talked about graphic rape and so i gotta tell you like when it was coming to that point and and it was clear when you know it, it made itself clear that it was coming to that point yeah um you know i was kind of um i don't want to say i was uncomfortable but i was i was preparing myself uh to be uncomfortable and never at any point and i want to make this perfectly clear never at any point is rape tame i would never consider it tame Yes, but but the way that they they shot this, you saw the brutality of it, visually, but you didn't see the graphic nature of it. Right. And I thought I thought that this the probably the the most disturbing part was Dimitri standing in the doorway, 
and he sees he sees what's happening and he sees the tears running down her face and he, and they do those close-up shots of him eating that those chocolate marshmallow cookies or whatever they were mm-hmm. and he just turns and shuts the door and he goes out and when they show him out by the pool it shows her through the glass and you see the glass like bending i guess you could say or flexing with every thrust and that to me that was that was disturbing yeah but i thought it was it was shot really well yeah it it really was um and you know like like you said you know it's it's terrible yeah he he walks in and just you know and just just leaves and and doesn't doesn't do anything and we get more of that betrayal when when richard gets home and finds out what what's happening he's not concerned with with her but he's concerned with his life Mm-hmm. And how this is going to, how this is going to affect him, and so, you know, he she's she gets betrayed by by everybody that's that you know she's trusting. I mean, she doesn't know these these other guys, but you know, trusting to be a decent human being. Yeah. And so, you know, she finds out that okay, well, you know, Richard's being a piece of shit, and so she just takes off into the desert. And from this moment on, like in the film, she doesn't say a word like the rest of the movie did you did you notice that like she didn't like she had no speaking lines for the last hour of the movie right yeah like and it this, was it, it but it works so well she does such a good job of showing her emotions you yeah, know she, it's like like she doesn't have to speak it she doesn't have to tell me you know how she feels she shows me how she feels with her eyes it is. It's a, it's a brilliant performance. And I yeah. didn't, it's, it's so good that I didn't even notice it the first time I watched it. Um, it wasn't until somebody else had brought that to my attention and, you know, I rewatched it. I'm like, wow. Yeah. She has no lines. Yeah. She doesn't, there's no monologues, nothing. It's just all of her acting is just on her face. And it's like I said, it's, it's so good that you really don't don't even notice it or you know unless i mean you kind of pick up on those on those things i don't know sometimes i can be kind of oblivious i guess but yeah right well you know i mean and that's a thing like you know there are some films i've watched where you have a an actor or an actress who are you know they're acting solo for their scenes and they do these like outer monologues with themselves mm-hmm. and it kind of takes me out sometimes because i'm like i i could never see myself doing that you know, I'm not one to like talk to myself or talk myself like verbally through something. You know, I may think it. And if you want to show me inner monologue, you know, that's fine. But, you know, I I don't ever like if she would have been going through this whole film like talking to herself, like that would have totally taken me out. Yeah. Yeah, me too. And and real quick before we we go any further, I wanted to to talk about the scene where Richard betrays her. Um he fucking tries to pay her off. Mm-hmm. You know, he said, he here, I've transferred this amount to your account. You can use whatever you want, this, that, and the other. And he, t- he the line that, that stuck with me was when he says, if you love me, think about me. You know, none of this is about her. Yeah. None of this is about what happened to her. If you love me, think of me. And this is that... Um, and I'm sure you've heard it before. I've, I'd heard it for years when I was growing up, you know, a teenager, uh, the term bros before hoes. Yeah. And 
these guys are such pieces of shit. You know, it's like barely any accountability, and he just wants to pay her off. She's the problem and wants to get rid of her. And here she wants to go to fucking L.A., and what's he tell her? Canada. It's practically Los Angeles. Yeah. You know? And, oh, it's such a fucking piece of shit. And they and that's the thing about this film is they did such a great job showing you how much we we need to hate these men. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I wanted this person to die so bad. But oh. in, in both films, though, it's... They, they're touching on these these subjects like i said they you know it has it has a lot of stuff to say and of course you know they take it to the extreme it's a it's a horror movie but they're they're speaking about you know real life things that are you know valuable and conversations that we that we absolutely need to have and it's just done so so well yeah i love it we'll get uh okay so this next scene is kind of where it's it's a little bit divisive so she they, they, Richard pushes her off of the cliff and she's impaled on this tree. Now, did this, did this scene take you out of the movie or were you, did you kind of just roll with this one? No, I, th- I think it shouldn't, it didn't have to be said, but it, I, I will say it. When, when you watch horror, you have to watch with a suspension of disbelief. And do I think that someone could, could literally survive that? No, absolutely not. The force that she hit that fucking tree, you know what I'm saying? Like, when she hit that fucking tree, like, I'm thinking back broken. Um, I mean, aside from the fact that she was impaled, you know, she hit that fucking tree hard. She fell from really high. Yeah. And, no, it didn't It didn't take me out at all. Because I, I when I watch these films, I watch these films knowing that I'm going to see some shit that you know probably isn't going to happen in real life right and i i didn't either it didn't man, of course you know i love this this movie so it absolutely didn't take me i just kind of rolled with it um but you know i also kind of looked at it as like a metaphor for you know okay her her old life is 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 done she's she's dead and now she's being reborn and they they kind of get into the symbolism a little bit later in the cave when she does the peyote and she uh, carterizes the wound and then she's got the that logo of the phoenix on her and stuff yep. so i have so that, that written down i was going to mention that as well okay so yeah they go i mean they 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 touch on that but i that's what i i did is, is took that as like a filmmaker's um metaphor for yeah it's okay this is is not going to happen but anytime that you're touched by something in your life some type of trauma like that you're going to become a new person you don't leave that and you know you you may be able to go get to get counseling, and you can be uh, you know you can still uh, be successful, and you can still overcome. But regardless of of how well adjusted that you, that you are, at at you know you're you're still touched by that circumstance in your life, and that that's kind of how how I took it was you know the old life that she used to live is is kind of gone now. Now she is she is this new person. So, like I said, it didn't didn't take me out of it. And, and besides, it's a you know it's a French film, and they're known for their you know extremity, their over the topness. Are you a fan of you know French and European cinema? I am. Yeah, we uh, uh, on our podcast we do uh, Ghouls Night Out, which is the ladies, and they do like feminist reviews. And they just recently did High Tension, and 
love that film. I love watching that film. I have not seen uh, Martyrs, which keeps getting shoved on me. And <laughs> I, you know, I, I've heard so yeah. many things. I'm like, I don't know if I want to watch it, but it's a tough watch. I, I will. I will eventually sit down and watch it. But yeah, I think I think that they do a great job. Uh, you had mentioned uh, earlier in the podcast that uh, you don't like creepy crawlies. Yeah. And and if there was anything in this scene that took me out was the ants crawling oh, yeah. all over the wound and that, like, I don't have a like I have I have creepy crawly issues um, more so with like maggots, but which which we see later, um, but just the to see the ants like crawling all over her and crawling across the wound you know with that that branch sticking up through her abdomen like that gave me the willies oh yeah yeah me too i was gonna mention that as well that was in, that was in my notes <laughs> yeah like oh god that just uh yeah just does does terrible things to me yeah it freaked me out yeah and she escapes the tree she sets it on fire and it it, it breaks off and it's man this is is so gnarly and then you get when when I first noticed this this score, so Richard is is riding uh, back to the house, and you know the hunt is on, and that, that that score kicks in by done by Rob. And in fact, I've got this score. I, I bought I bought the soundtrack because I, I love it so much, and I it's part of my workout tracks. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. yeah. This oh, it just kicks ass. It's so, I, and I don't even know how to describe it. It's very synth. Um, but other than that, it's it's so hard to describe. But it's very pulse pounding and, and exciting. It's it's really, really good. So you know they decide that they're going to come after her, that you know they they're they can't just they can't just let her go. They're going to go hunting anyway. They never come back. I think what he says is they never come back empty or something like that. And so they split up. They start tracking her, and they leave Dimitri and the other two. The other two go along, and I love this when she sneaks up on him and, and grabs the gun, and yeah, it doesn't work. I mean, the safety's on, but I mean, she was ready to just plug him right in the face. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, how many times in a in a horror movie or thriller or something else do you see that where it's like they they hesitate and the other person gets gets the upper hand? Now this one, you know, wasn't wasn't quite you know her fault. But I mean, is is that not one of the most annoying tropes ever? Is like they, they do the hesitation thing when somebody's been chasing their ass for like an hour throughout the film. Well, absolutely. I mean, you mentioned the new uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and that whole scene with Sally where she she's waited fifty years for this. Okay, and then, we'll bring that back and throw it my face. No. <laughs> right, right, right. No. But but you know, and and yeah, you see that a lot. That's definitely yeah. a major trope in horror films. Is you know the I have to monologue. And you see it on both ends. You see it on, on heroes and villains, you know, where they monologue so long that they lose the upper hand. I know. I kind of hate that. I hate that. But, uh, okay. But she, she, she had, she had no inclination of doing that whatsoever. She was ready to fucking wipe this guy's face off. <laughs> yeah. And she ends up like, man, knifing him right in the eye. And in this movie, I mean, you get eye trauma, mm -hmm. you get foot trauma, you get hand trauma. You get, I mean, you know, if it's if it's in there, if there's something that makes you uncomfortable, you're you're gonna get it in in this movie, and I mean it's it's hard to watch. It does have some disturbing elements, but my God, is it is it brilliant and incredibly incredibly well done. Uh, so you know, again, we get the cave scene. I'll let you I'll let you talk about that because you got some notes on there. But she she like downs a beer like Chuck Norris and starts 
you know, taking her healing peyote and uh, brands herself with a, well, cauterizes the wound, ends up branding herself with a, with a thing and then having all these visions. So what, what were your thoughts on this one? Oh, I thought, I thought it was beautifully done. And, you know, she, she has that peyote that she had hidden in her necklace and she takes it. And, you know, I don't know, I don't know any backstory. I don't know if she's ever done peyote before. I've never done peyote, but I know that, you know, if I was in a situation like that, where I'm in severe fucking pain, like I'll take whatever I can fucking get. Yeah. And, you know, so she takes the peyote, she downs that beer and then she starts, you know, cauterizing this wound. And, oh, my God, does that wound, does does that phoenix look fucking amazing? Yeah. I, I mean, know, I when, when they first showed that, I was like, that looks fucking badass. Yeah, she is, like, one of the most badass characters I've, I've ever seen in a movie. Um, man, it just makes me so happy. I mean, I've got, you know, my, you know, top two or three and you got Ellen Ripley, you got Aaron from your next and you got Jennifer from, from this movie. And that, those are, those are my top three. Absolutely. And she definitely ranks up there. I mean, and she, she has those crazy fucking peyote dreams. Um, you know, you what she gets her head blown off like twice, yeah. which I thought both of those were visually fucking amazing. I mean, I think back prior to that, the only two, exploding head scenes i mean i'm not going to rank scanners here because that's i mean that's a classic but mm-hmm. um was dawn of the dead uh in the uh on the stairs and then uh tom savini getting his own head blown off in maniac yeah and you know to see this happen twice back to back like it looks so fucking good uh but then you get all those brief flashes of the maggots which i was like no yeah. i'm good um and then, and then you get like you know Dimitri's bloated uh, face pops up, and the drool coming out of his mouth, and all that shit. And then she she walks out of that fucking cave, and looking like Sarah Connor. Yeah. Like she's she's strapped to the gills. She's ready, ready for some fucking action. And you know you had talked about in, when we were talking about Mandy about you know how it kind of pulls you out when you know people who've never shot guns all of a sudden become professionals. Like, I don't feel that way with this. I feel like, like now the hunted has become the hunter and that's, she's transcended. This is part of her rebirth. Like she's transcended, like all bets are off. She's just, she's ready to fuck some shit up. Yeah. I thought the same thing. Um, Like I said, this is, and I don't know what it is. Like sometimes like those kind of things in movies bother me, but you know, the way that this was, was done, like I was, I was sold like right from the very beginning. And like I said, you know, just because like, I'm, I'm kind of like viewing this like as, as the metaphor and, you know, that rolls right into, so the, the next, the next kill or the next scene that we get is, is her chasing with, with uh, Stan and she aims at his head and, you know, doesn't immediately just, just plug him, but she ends up a little off off center and shooting him in the shoulder and so they begin this little cat and mouse game where she's she's chasing him and then he ends up getting the upper hand and then we get the oh god the the gnarliest scene in this entire movie where she smashes this uh flashlight while he's chasing her and then he runs up runs up behind her and steps on the glass and then spends about two minutes trying to pull that out of his foot 
I was, oh my God, I was squirming. What did you think about that one? As a parent of three kids, I've stepped on my fair share of fucking Legos. So I can only imagine how fucking bad that hurt. But the fact that they sit there and they linger on that wound while he's digging, trying to get that piece of glass out. Oh my God, I loved it. I loved every fucking second of it. It was so good. And then, you know, he gets back in the car and is trying to step on the pedals and blood's just squirting everywhere. And that's one of the, like, the only pieces of trivia that you get for this movie is they ended up, like, they kept running out of blood because there was just so much of it. That's so, that's so awesome. <laughs> but he tries to run her down and she takes a couple of shots before just plugging him right in the head. All right, so then you get uh, Richard and he's waiting on Stan who doesn't show up and then he's driving back to the house with one of the best songs that I've, I've ever heard in my entire life. I mean, it's, oh God, but, but when it closes, you know, you get the close up on his face uh, with the, the music playing and I lost it at, at this point of the movie. I'm, I was just making wordless sounds by this point. I just, ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then you get the chase scene, that, that ending uh, which I think it's like eight minutes long or eight, eight, eight to 10 minutes long of them just playing the craziest game of ring around Rosie that I've ever seen. What, 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 what did you think about this ending? Oh, I thought it, I, not once did I think that it was overly long no. and you know, it's this cat and mouse, you're right. Ring around the Rosie and there's so much fucking blood everywhere and slipping in it and, you know, it's just, it, it was, the tension was there the whole time. Yeah. And it was... at, at, at any point, she was going to come around the corner and he was going to be there, or he was going to come around the corner and she was going to be there. And it just, yeah, it was, I, it didn't feel overly long at all. I thought it was fucking perfect. Yeah. It was, oh my goodness, it was, it was so good. Um, and I, again, I love it that, you know, she didn't wait for him to say anything. She just, shot him and then you you know you get yeah the, the game of death uh, yeah. oh so so good is there anything else that uh comes to mind that you before we get into our ratings well i you know it's you get to the end um when she she slips and he he bashes her in the head with the butt of the gun and then he picks her up and he's choking her and he slams her up against against the wall and he says something to her he says women always have to put up a fucking fight and that fucking stuck with me, you know, for more than one reason, because I feel like, yes, they do always have to put up a fucking fight. And that kind of saddens me. Yeah. You know, that women have to put up a fucking fight. But it's because of the world we live in and, you know, the types of men, you know, like we saw from Stan, who they think that, you know, oh, hey, this woman's into me. She wants to fuck me. And that's not always the case, you know, and, and I, I, I feel like that's the message that we're, we're I, at least the message that I'm pulling from this. Yeah, no, absolutely. I got the same thing. Yeah. It's just, oh, it's so smart. And you're right. Yeah. I love, I love how it ends. I love, okay, I'm not going to say exactly how it ends, but, uh, but it's, it's so good. Um, with all that being said, on a scale of one to five, what are you rating Revenge? I'm, again, I'm going to have to give it a five. 
I I am too. I I, I get a five. It's oh, it's it's so well done, well shot. Um, the music is amazing. The message is amazing, um, and it is just gnarly from beginning to end. And again, this is like a two-hour movie that just flies by. It's so good, guys. Go check this one out. Groovy. All right. Well, that is it. That's our that's our two movies, Mandy and Revenge, and both of them we absolutely love and suggest that you go check out. And before we get off here, my dude, one more time, why don't you tell the listeners where they can find you? Okay. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Shaun of the Dead, and you can find our horror podcast the house that screams on all podcasting platforms and on twitter at house underscore screams awesome and guys if you'd like to follow me i'm on all podcasting platforms you can follow me on twitter at woods podcast one you can email the show podcast in the woods one at gmail.com and i would like again to thank sean for coming on today i had so much fun and i hope you had a blast too my dude I did too, man. I really, really appreciate it. And I'm glad that you picked Revenge because I finally got to watch it and I absolutely fucking loved it. Awesome. Awesome. All right, guys. Until next time, stay sturdy.